Welcome to Embers and Wind. Are you feeling a calling to serve? What if answering this calling unleashes from deep within you leadership potential? I'm your podcast host, Keith Weedman. Blended three decades experience with knowledge from multiple disciplines to unleash hidden potential in others. In this weekly podcast, my distinguished guests and I will share what fuels us and how we serve. You will feel a gentle wind on the embers of service that glow within you. You will receive kindling for your capabilities and knowledge to build skills. You can utilize this gentle wind to ignite the kindling. You will be guided to do this for people you lead and serve. You can apply what you learn with people you love. Get ready to feel the gentle wind. As a vocal coach, life coach, healer, leader, and former minister, Mark Cox has a unique perspective on leadership. He approaches leadership with an eye towards the pain people carry. He clearly sees the pain that leaders carry in their roles, as well as the pain they may be passing on unintentionally to those in their care. Mark Deep's desire is that leaders find full freedom of expression so that they lead from a place of wholeness and authentically lead their team. The title of this episode is Living and Leading from Wholeness. Please join me in welcoming Mark Cox to Embers and Wind. Welcome, Mark. Thank you so much, Keith. Glad to be here. What scenes from your life? will help us understand what led you to title this episode, Living and Leading from Wholeness. I think some of the scenes that I can remember offhand are scenes of me sitting at a desk late at night, knowing that I had work in front of me to do, and I was going to be required to get it done. And it was for the benefit of my team. But being so overwhelmed and crushed by the responsibility, as well as some of the hurt that I was carrying mm-hmm. um, as a leader, it was just un, uncapable of moving, spending hours staring at a computer screen, simply being crushed by the weight of the work. That would be a very prevalent scene that I think explains what leading from wholeness is not. <laughs> very good. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. What about your training in music and voice training? I was singing when I was probably before I talked. Uh, I really, I, my, my mom started teaching me to sing very early on. Then as I got into high school, uh-huh. not only did I get involved with, you know, different singing groups, uh-huh. I also started leading groups and I, I led my own groups to high school competitions and uh-huh. placed and got awards at both the state and national level wow. groups I was leading as a high schooler. Mm-hmm. So by the time I went to college, I was going to study music education. But then I got there and realized that everyone was aspiring to do what I had been doing in high school already. So I kind of went a different direction. And now coming full circle, I've kind of combined the vocal training uh, that I have been giving for so long as a voice teacher with some of the counseling work and combined it into vocal healing practice. Very interesting. What do you mean by wholeness? 
wholeness. I gave a good illustration of what wholeness is not. And I'm going to, I'm going to use it in the context of leadership because I used that in the context of leadership of what it's not like uh, to lead not from a place of wholeness. If you're leading from a place of wholeness, that means that you are satisfied. Mm-hmm. You are filled up. And then out of a fullness yourself, you are then filling others. And I think the same could be said with the word wholeness. You know, when I say from a place of wholeness, there's not a lack in you. You are not sabotaging yourself and your own well-being for the sake of others. You are well, and you are helping others be well, too. I like that. You call yourself an embodied embodied healing coach. Please elaborate for listeners, including me, who are not familiar with what an embodied healing coach is. When I say healing coach, you you could really use that term for a, a variety of things. You could talk about a coach working through physical therapy, for instance, would be a coach helping you to heal your body. I also think of going to counseling as a way of healing. You're doing the healing, the inner work, the mind, um, the emotions, um, sometimes the, the spiritual healing that takes place in a counseling room is still coaching towards someone finding healing. What I mean by an embodied healing coach is the fact that I am intentionally trying to engage someone's body in the process. When someone has experienced trauma, what that is, is it's a physical response to the pain that they have experienced. And so without having a physical release for that pain, Mm -hmm. the trauma stays. They may know they're safe they may even feel they're safe, mm-hmm. but their body, body may still have a trauma response in the process of, of being triggered by things. And so I really endeavor to, in my coaching, help people, guide people towards healing, both in mind, emotions, and body, which is the one that I find is most commonly left out. Thank you. Why do you call yourself an embodied healing coach? I think you already answered this question. I did answer that, yeah. <laughs> You've got five powerful testimonies on your website. I didn't see a reference to coaching certification. For companies that require certification, ICF is the predominant certification required. Have you received ICF certification or any other I do not have a certification for coaching. I do have my undergrad degree is in music and in counseling. Mm -hmm. And so with what I'm doing with vocal healing, it is a new practice. There's not a certification specifically for it. And so with the combination of it being music and counseling, uh, there is that possibility that maybe someday I will create a certification so that others can be certified in this practice. But as of right now, there is no certification. If there was, I would have to make one. Thank you. Can you share two or three stories about people you've helped to stimulate our thinking about who we can, who you can help and how an embodied healing coach helps people heal? The embodied healing coach helps people heal because oftentimes there can be a desire to find healing. 
Sometimes we don't know the way. A, a guide is the same as if you were going on a long trek through the wilderness. Mm -hmm. It's not a charted path. If you've ever been in a place in life where you look at your friend or your spouse and go, there's no textbook for this. That's the kind of work that a embodied healing coach can help with. They serve as a guide. It's a reference point. They know how to navigate the waters of the unknown. Mm -hmm. And the, rea the reality is they're not telling anyone what to do. I don't tell people what to do. Mm -hmm. I guide them through the right questions. And it really becomes a journey of self-discovery as we go along. And they are able to find certainty in their own path through what I help them with. Can you share two or three stories about people you've helped, you guided? I can. So there is one person that I have worked with that they came to me and they simply said, I don't like how my voice sounds. Mm -hmm. So we did some work and through questions and, and through some coaching and some memories, we were able to discover some of the root cause for that uh, was rooted in the childhood. Mm -hmm. So now we're working through that pain. We're working through the things that they have been taught as a child that aren't true. Mm -hmm. And they know they're not true. So mentally, they're on the right path. It's emotionally and physically that they still are triggered and they still have those adverse effects coming through in their voice. In their talk. So that would be one, someone who is mentally on the right track, but doesn't like the way their voice sounds and working through the inner work that needs to be done to discover what the root of that is mm -hmm. and then how to emotionally process retraining ourselves emotionally and physically to be in a space where we can really put out our authentic voice instead of capping it. Um, like this person has done. Do they like their voice now? They are growing to like their voice. We're still <laughs> in a process. Still in process. Good. They are growing to like their voice and appreciate their voice as as we do that inner work together. Uh -huh. There's another person that uh, does not feel their voice has the impact that it should. Mm -hmm. This person sought to set boundaries. And felt as if consistently, not by just one person, but most people in their life, their boundaries that they had set verbally did not mean anything to them. And so they wondered if it was something with their voice. And as we talked, we discovered the specific things that they wanted to change about their voice. And again, did some of that work to discover what are the fears at play? What are the emotions at play? What are the beliefs and the thoughts at play? Mm -hmm. Where in your body are you holding back or hiding? Or what part of you is being locked up that needs to be set free? Mm -hmm. Doing some of that work, we were able to very quickly get to the place where we heard what the real voice sounds like. And let me tell you, Keith, when that voice comes out, I think it'll carry weight. <laughs> Good. That voice will carry weight. Thank you. One one other story that I could tell you is, is about a teenage girl who I was just simply doing some typical singing work with, but who for three weeks in a row, the first three sessions, she would not sing a note due to fear. Hmm. In one year's time, patience and working through some of those things, through some of that breath work and the vocal work, mm -hmm. she was so she was able to overcome her fear in such a way that she was singing the national anthem 
mm-hmm. as a solo in the Detroit Pistons wow. Stadium. Fantastic. So that was a big change, big change. And I would say that story in particular is one of the big reasons why I'm continuing to do what I do now. Good reason to do it. Thank you for sharing that. What relationship do you see between wholeness and healing? I think healing is a journey Mm -hmm. set in the past. Mm -hmm. Things that have taken place in my past, I need to heal from. Wholeness is where I'm going. That's in the future. Gotcha. It's also rooted in the present. I'm I'm leaning into greater extents of wholeness. Mm-hmm. And and my healing is allowing me to be present in my present wholeness and to progress towards further wholeness. Thank you. How does living and leading from wholeness impact a leader? Oftentimes, if they're not living and leading from wholeness, it's because they haven't done the work of healing needed from their past. Most often that is the case. If that's the case, they're living with things that they have been taught by that pain, been taught by that trauma, that they naturally act as if certain things are true. Mm -hmm. And most times they're not true. And by acting as if they are, not only are they continuing to hurt themselves in an ongoing way, but they're hurting the people that they are leading. And so when someone is not living and leading from wholeness, they suffer. And every single person that's under their care suffers as well. Now, how about the opposite? When you lead from wholeness, how does leading from wholeness impact your team? You have so much more to give. You have so much more to give. And one of the most important things you have to give is oftentimes leaders that are not living from wholeness mm-hmm. have no boundaries themselves. And so they, they give so much. They, they give to the detriment of themselves. And so there's nothing left to give after that. If you're leaving, living, living and leading from wholeness, mm-hmm. you're able to have the boundaries to keep yourself healthy And so you can more consistently have more to give over much longer periods of time. Mm -hmm. You have better eyes to see the suffering of those under your care. And when you have better eyes to see that suffering, you can address it and help them to develop the skills that they need to lead from wholeness. So it really has a ripple effect and you can affect generations that way. What are the health implications of living and leading from wholeness? I think you touched on it already, but dig deeper. The medical industry has done so many studies on the placebo effect. Mm -hmm. So we could start there and just talk about the placebo effect and the positive effects that it has. When you begin to think positively about what your body is doing physically, Mm -hmm. it's amazing the percentage of time that that begins happening. Right. And so if I'm living from a place of wholeness, instead of beating myself up all the time Mm -hmm. and emotionally feeling fulfilled rather than feeling drained all the time, if I'm enjoying where I'm at, 
instead of just bending every moment waiting to escape where I'm at. Mm -hmm. Those kind of positive thought implications to that have stunning effects on someone's physical health. I've talked and heard from people all over the place and experienced myself. Mm -hmm. The kinds of sicknesses that come down to just plain stress. Mm -hmm. Just stressed out. Burnt out would be another term. Your body knows when you're about to go back into a stressful environment. There was a period of time in my own life mm -hmm. that every time that my vacation was ending with my family, I would get sick. No. <laughs> and I would spend the first three to five days back home uh -huh. out of commission completely mm -hmm. because my body knew the stress that I was going back to. Mm -hmm. That was that was from a place of not leading in wholeness. Right. Right. That's different now. But that's a really good illustration of how the physical effects of that can radically, radically change. Can you share a story about a leader who've helped to live and lead from wholeness? I think what I'd like to do, Keith, is I'd like to just share about me. Sure. A lot of this comes down to my own story, my own journey. Mm -hmm. And I, I shared a picture earlier of what not leading from wholeness looks like. Right. In that same picture, when I think of that person, when I think of that person that I was then, I see him in third person. I see someone who knows that it's his job to enjoy certain things, and so he chooses to. But deep down, he, he, he feels compelled to. He feels controlled to. He feels as if it's simply a demand. And the only way that he can find joy is if he receives affirmation for those things from others. And time and time again, as a leader, he realizes that it's never going to come. Mm -hmm. And so the joy is robbed. There's no happiness. There's no joy. There's no enjoyment of life. Mm -hmm. It's sacrificing every bit of enjoying today for the hope that someday maybe I can enjoy tomorrow. Doing some of this work has helped me realize taking the time to connect to my own desires and being honest with them, no matter what they are. Doing that hard work, doing the hard work of giving them a voice, saying it, feeling it, embodying it, and then doing the hard work of correlating that within myself when those desires are conflicting, coming out with what is my whole, using my whole being, what is my voice in full freedom and in wholeness? It's been so important. And it's placed me back in a spot where I'm enjoying life. Mm -hmm. Life is fun. Good. I do fun things. And it's exciting to be on this journey of, of taking that and giving that to others, because I believe that it will help leaders. Mm -hmm. And I think even maybe even more importantly than helping leaders, it's actually going to have this trickle down effect to the people under their care. Right. And that's really important to me. Yeah. And I'm excited about that. When I think of <laughs> healing, I immediately think of healing from a disease. What do you mean by healing? And how does this relate to disease? 
you could talk about diseases. I think that your body is one piece of who you are. I tend to work in the, the realm of thinking of buying mind, body, and emotions. Um, it's most helpful for me to use those three components of a person uh, in my work. And so I, I go, that's certainly a piece, and I don't want to minimize that. Mm-hmm. But you also have a mind that you might say could have a disease. You also have emotions, mm-hmm. could have a disease. And the way you might define a disease might be a little different than than I would, but I, I would define a disease in any one of those three is pieces of your person mm-hmm. that are either acting as if something is true that isn't true mm-hmm. or have just been shut down. Sometimes your emotions get shut off. You stop feeling. Sometimes you're mentally connecting things and believing things are connected that mm, aren't connected at all. That can have really adverse effects. Sometimes pieces of your body are shut down by disease, right? So all of three of those things. And I think that finding a place of wholeness mm-hmm. has massive effects on all of those. And so I don't think it's inappropriate to think in terms of a disease and even disease of the emotions or the mind. For the first six, nine years of my life, I believed quantum physics was totally irrelevant to my success in work and in life. Now I see it as essential to both success in work and life. How does your work relate to energy from emotions? Really heavily. You will always find me digging into the emotional energy Mm -hmm. that people are carrying. Uh, When we are doing even just typical voice lessons, Mm -hmm. typical vocal coaching with a singer, I'm going to be tapping into what are you feeling when you sing this line of music? What emotion is hitting you? Uh Because that's going to affect their voice and it is affecting their voice. They may just not realize it. And so by drawing that out, they may be singing a very sad line, but they just love the line of and the melody so much that they feel really happy when they sing it. And it's somewhat giving a conflicting message in the song. And so I always ask people, can you, can you feel when you're doing inner healing work with a leader, I often will ask, when you go to that meeting or meet with that person, it seems to be causing you all kinds of trouble. Mm-hmm. When you're sitting down and writing the agenda for that meeting, what are you feeling? Are you feeling fear? Mm-hmm. Anxiety? And how do you think it might affect the meeting itself? If while you were writing that agenda, you felt something different. Mm -hmm. What would you like to feel during that time? That sets a different tone. You change just what you're feeling while you're writing the agenda. Sure. But doing the work to change that is hard. Yeah. So I tell people often, I can serve as a guide, but honestly, the hard work belongs to my clients. They do the hard work. There's two movies I would love to recommend for you. They're both documentaries. One's called The Secret. It was came out in 2006. And it's about the law of attraction and how the law of attraction relates to what you're talking about. The other documentary is Healing. It came out in 2017. 
embodiment is closely related to healing from a diagnosable disease. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You help both singers and speakers to find their voice. When I think of speakers, I immediately think of Toastmasters because I'm an active member. How much do you know about Toastmasters, who they serve, and how? I know about Toastmasters from people that I've worked with who are also involved in Toastmasters. The impression that I get is that Toastmasters often works with the components of the speech uh, that one is giving. Mm -hmm. They help people with little oddities, habits. It could be anything from what they call filler words Mm -hmm. in your speech. could also be gestures that seem to be repeated and eventually might become annoying to your audience. Things of that nature. Heavily focused on the mechanics of a presentation. What I find is, is that my work deals with why are you doing that? We're getting down to the root cause. We're not trying to change functionality. We're trying to change being. Because if you show up different behind the platform, you'll just do different things. So you might say, instead of rebuilding the, uh, the framework of your speech and just trying to force yourself into a mold, which is sometimes what Toastmasters do, though I think they're very, very helpful in what they do as well. I think there's also some deeper things that often need to be done and need to be addressed that they might leave out. Very good. I think there's a potential that Toastmasters could benefit from you visiting and also you could benefit from visiting Toastmasters. I would agree with you, Keith. Yeah. Okay. How can someone who resonates with your message stay connected with you? The easiest way would to be to visit my website. My website address is www.experiencefreevoice.com. If you go there, you'll find a little bio page about me, homepage, and most importantly, you'll find a contact page. And that contact page really simply sends me a personal email. And I would absolutely love to engage in conversation uh, with anyone that is interested in the work, wants to learn more, uh, sees some benefit that they may receive from the work. Mm -hmm. I I am pleased and excited to be doing this. And I want to make sure that that is available for anyone who needs it. Mm -hmm. Thank you. How can they learn more from you? Same answer. Visit my website. (laughs) Contact me. Let's talk. I love just talking with people. I have, typically I have multiple just coffee sessions with people online every week. And I absolutely love it. Me too. Thank you. Do you have a benevolent call to action for listeners to apply what they learn from listening to this episode? I do. Go to my website. Go to the contact page. Send me an email. Let's talk. I would absolutely love to share more about how this work can impact you personally and professionally and help you lead from wholeness and live from wholeness. Thank you so much for being a guest on Immersion One, Mark. Thank you so much, Keith, for having me. Really appreciate it. And thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Embers and Wind. We look forward to seeing you again in two weeks. 
Thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode of Embers and Wind. If you enjoyed today, please come back next week. Please also share this episode with a friend. If you've not already subscribed to Embers and Wind, rated this podcast, and written a review, please do this now. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, you can reach me directly at embersandwind.net. Thank you again for joining us.